everybody for coming down apologies for the lighting both here which is Kind of good because I can't see anyone's face and you're probably going to be asleep and I won't know. <laughs> and uh, unless I go to sleep myself, which is probably also possible. Uh, but yeah, so I went downstairs. I said, listen, there's no lights here. I don't know if online they can see uh, very well or not. I don't think so. Um, so I said to them that, um, the, yeah, uh, we got the musalla kind of booked, which is a kind of black, but we kind of, yeah. And... Um, Bakaba, there's no lights. They said, sorry, we can't do anything. It's automatic. The AC comes on and the lights come on for the times of salah only. And then it goes off 10 minutes afterwards. Shuf, yani, it's a musalla, right? Tell me how that makes any sense. Like they're actually actively wanting people only to use it at the time of the imam. And therefore, they want people to join the Jama'ah from here, yani following the Imam, you know, one mile down, the, God knows where. That's a madness, isn't it? Honestly, of all the opinions, I hate this opinion so much. It, it really, really, really depresses me. I mean, it's, it's the same, obviously, the same in, um, what's that thing called? Fair, Fairmont. Yeah, Fairmont. Obviously, it has a very, very wide uh, thingy, you know, directly over it. And, uh, you know, it's, um, so it's very hot in here. I can feel it already. So, you know, we just will try to now get, oh, I need to go with the hot, hot stuff, man. So, no, it's gone. Anyway, we'll, we'll try to make a go of it. Let's see what happens. In all of the rush, I forgot my laptop upstairs, guys, online. So, um, I'll start, and Danish is just bringing it. And then I think, we need to join the Wi Fi, you just, uh, just go to guest, yeah? yeah? Yeah, just go, yeah. So, we'll join. So, last week, um, we kind of start, well, we did a number of things, but we were discussing the uh, issue of, uh, of, what's it called, of, um, uh, or we started, rather, joining the Salah a bit late. Uh, um, no, joining the Imam in position and uh, preceding the Imam in position. And so today what we're going to do is to summarize uh, that whole kind of chapter, actually. How many types of preceding are there? Like you can get, you know, you can like get to the ruku'ah before a person. But what about if you get to the ruku'ah before a person, I mean the imam. You get to the ruku'ah before the imam and then get up before the imam. What about if you get up from the, the imam and then get down into sajda? Is that the same? Is that different? So all these variations basically concerning, concerning the number of movements ahead you are. And why is it the number of movements? Because that will be determining that we determining pillars. Are you ahead by pillars, not pillars? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's what we're going to cover today. So where we're starting is in the text on Mumtet. And once the, once uh, thingy brings my um, once the the laptop comes and I'll read out the notes properly. And they have been translated. Um, and I think they're on the, uh, uh, they are on the, uh, has, is one of you online? No, you're not online. No, no, what is, 
Dungeon's here. Colos. I will use the laptop then. Exactly like I brought. Good job. You know, Dom, it has the sickest little thing here that the Girayan had. It's a little fan. Silent one. Right? USB-C charged. Greatest thing I ever saw. Use it everywhere. And, like, we don't even have one single one here now. When we needed it. Right. Can anyone see whether they connect they can connect to Marriott conference? Oh no, mine's not connected. Oh yeah. The guest is weak. Okay, actually, yeah, if you guys don't connect, yeah, just uh, maybe... No, it connected, yeah. It connected, okay, all right, so you leave that one to me then, because I need, because uh, I found the Wi-Fi thing, I've been using data. Okay, I'm, I've got it, good, all right. All right, folks, sound is not really that clear, can hear more of the audience, right? There you go, you guys are being told to shut up, basically, all right? Okay, because this microphone can't get any closer, so for their sake. Although, um, I will say, actually, there's two, there's a couple of things going on. First of all, we do have a professional audio. I got it this time, so alhamdulillah, that will be uh, overlaid the sound, and the podcast will be a lot better from now on, because I keep forgetting to get that. Secondly, I'm not very well, and I can't raise my voice any more than what it is right now. So maybe we're just a little bit more quiet for the guys, because um, it is obviously facing that way, the microphone on the uh, phone. All right, let's read, uh, let's read, uh, and it's good to see some of the Aqsa people, some of our Aqsa gang online as well, Oasis and those boys. All right, let's do this, uh, uh, the Arabic then. So the Arabic that we're covering uh, today is, uh, So where is that? this translates as, if one bows or prostrates before his imam, he must return back so he can do it after his imam. If he intentionally doesn't return, the prayer is invalidated. If he bows and then stands back up before his imam has even bowed, so he's gone in and gone back out before the imam has even started the ruku'ah, whether he, so if he does that knowingly and intentionally, then the prayer is invalidated. If he was ignorant or forgetful when he did that, only the raka'ah is invalidated. So just that particular unit, which he will then have to make up afterwards. If he bows 
and then stands up before the Imam has bowed, and then he prostrates before the Imam stands back up again, stands back up again from his ruku'ah. So the, the key here is that you've actually gone two arkan forward now, okay? So because a rukan, there's a number of rukan here, right? So this is a rukan to go for ruku'ah. To stand back up straight is a rukan. For those, by the way, who might not be aware of this, this is one of the reasons why you see some of the Hanafi scholars, well, few of the Hanafi scholars, but certainly the Hanafi masses, they're probably the most guilty of this, and then just lazy, lazy people elsewhere. They don't stand up properly, right? They kind of do that halfway house thing, and they go back down again in like a rush and whatever. Actually, in the Hanafi school, to stand back up straight and calm and relaxed is not from the Arkan. So they kind of almost justify this for the masses, which is catastrophic, actually. But, yeah, there's some reasoning behind it. They said that this is from the obligations, not the Arkan, and some said it's from the Sunnah. Anyway, so the point is, is that now you've come back up, so that's the second Rukan. You've gone down in Sajda, you're into the third Rukan. The Imam is still in his Rukan, in the Ruku. So now you're two Arkan forward. That's the point that the author is trying to make, okay? So he stands back up before the Imam has bowed, and then he prostrates before the Imam stands up again. The prayer is invalidated. The one, however, who did it out of ignorance or forgetfulness only needs to make up that raka again, meaning it's only that raka which is invalidated, and then after the end of the prayer, he needs to stand up. So that's the text from the Hanbali Madhab. Sheikh Uthameen is now about to summarize this, and then he's about to give his own uh, uh, opinion on it. And so he goes that... Um, so if, for example, yes, this is at the bottom of page 182. Let me just get back up to this game. Okay. Um, he says that, um, so for example, if the imam, or if the guy goes for ruku or, sajj, or sajda intentionally before the imam and doesn't go back, then the prayer is invalidated. That's obviously a guy messing around. Prayer is validated, end of. And this is a person who is, uh, preceding the imam and doing that intentionally of course um, if he realizes and oh my god what am I doing and he stands back up again right to basically get himself behind the imam the prayer is saved no issues no problems okay and if he did all of that like unwilling unknowingly or he thought it was allowed to do that right then it's I told you guys last week about the guy who, who was like praying in front of me in Aqsa right yeah. Yeah, like as he was in his own world, right? And who knows whether he was, he was valid or whether he was, you know, right or not. But whatever the point is, if So if he doesn't come back up, meaning that he doesn't now actually reset himself and get behind the imam, either because he's not aware or because he is, doesn't know the ruling that he's got to do that. And then his salah is still valid. The salah is valid. But... He uh, uh, has to then make up the, that that uh, that uh, 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 raka'ah later. Now he starts speaking about this other scenario. So this is now him going for ruku'ah, standing back up, all right, and standing back up and then going down again. Now this in Arabic is different, all right. This as Sheikh Uthameen says this is not a person that is sabiqan berrukan. Okay, that he's preceded him in a rukan, in a rukan, but he has preceded him uh, uh, to a rukan. So the ba and the ila in the Arabic, for those that are aware, in this issue means that he didn't actually get to the rukwa before him. He actually went past the rukwa, went past the full rukan entirely, 
and got to the next one. And that has to be given a separate ruling according to the Hanabila. Not just the Hanbali school, actually all of the fuqaha said that that's far more serious. And actually it starts to get more complicated. They said that, so there's two types of getting forward. There's either you're getting forward to the next rukan, so that's yani, the one that the imam's about to go to. And then there's actually going so far forward that you've actually gone a whole two parts, two arkan forward. Then the next the differentiation is, is whether the ruqur is involved in any of these. Why is that important? Because if the ruqur is involved, you might potentially be able to save the rest of the prayer and just make up the rakah again. But if you go towards sajda or whatever, then we're starting talking about something even more serious. So it gets quite complicated. Anyway, the sheikh says, al-hasil, meaning we can summarize this whole situation. So simply we can say that if a guy goes down and gets back up, whilst the imam has still yani not uh, uh, gone into the ruku'a, so he's two now ahead, then if he does that intentionally, he knows the ruling and he does that, then his prayer is invalidated. And if he did it unintentionally or he forgotfully did it, then only the raka'ah is invalidated. The raka'ah itself is invalidated. Because he didn't follow the imam, which is the obligation that a person um, uh, is to do. And because he didn't follow the imam, he didn't actually join the imam in the raka'ah. We know that if you want to count a, 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 a raka'ah, you've got to catch him in ruku'ah. Now, if you've already stood up, then you haven't caught him in the ruku'ah. You don't have a raka'ah in the first place. That's the, the logic yani, that's being used. All right? Then he says, he says, at the top of one page 185, so if the imam, if this guy, he goes for ruku'ah, then he uh, uh, stands back up, and then the, uh, before the imam goes in, then he goes to sajda, and he's in sajda before the uh, uh, standing up of the imam, the entire prayer is invalidated. Because he's actually gone forward two entire arkan. He's in sajda. He's, he's one rukan is the standing up. The second rukan is the in sajda. So whilst the imam is still in ruku'ah, he's added one, two extra uh, arkan. He's two arkan forward. And uh, therefore, the prayer is invalidated. Sheikh Uthameen says, you know what, I'm not too sure about this whole thing about making it about the ruku'ah. He goes, why are we making this about ruku'ah? We should make it in terms of numbers. How far ahead are you, regardless of whether it's the ruku'ah is the starting point or any other points are, are being considered. So he goes that actually, let's just say that if a person does this um, uh, intentionally, then the prayer is invalidated. And if he doesn't do it intentionally, then he is going to be uh, just that, that, that final, uh, that, that raka'ah that's involved is the one that's going to be uh, missed out, has to be done again. He goes, we can summarize this then, that when you get in front of the imam, it's going to be in four types. The first one is that you will get in front of him to that same rukan. So that's simply the imam standing, you're standing, and before he goes, Allah Akbar, and goes down, you go down before him. That's it. So that's you getting in front of the imam. Then another one is to get in front of the imam uh, in ruku' itself. In ruku' itself, because the first example is just one rukun. It doesn't need to be a, a, a ruku'. It could be in sajda, or it could be to the last tashahud, for example. Yeah, and then the third one is to get in front, yani completely into a rukun that is not part of the, uh, uh, not uh, the ruku', ghair ruku', 
so that's the yani, proceeding uh, into uh, uh, into the rukun, uh, and then to proceed the imam with two arkan, yani being completely in front of them, and it's not the ruku. This example would be, for example, so the imam is still uh, in sajda, first one, and you've not only gone into the second sajda, but maybe even stood up as well. So you, he's in sajda, you now go into the next sajda, or he's in a sit seating position, you're in sajda, which is the next rukun, to stand back up is another rukun, so you're too clean ahead again. Now, what I like about what Sheikh Uthameen now does is that he says, you know what, we can actually uh, summarize all of these things in a, in, a, in, a, in a different kind of manner. He goes that we can look at it from a point of view of when the prayer is invalidated. And that's the kind of thing that will help us, okay? He goes that when is the prayer going to be a real problem when you are proceeding, right? We can look at it from... A number of angles. The first is if you said Allahu Akbar for the start of the prayer before the Imam. Okay? Now, the good thing is if you can't see the Imam, it's very unlikely you're going to do that. But if you are looking at the Imam, you might be like this. You some see that in some mosques, right? That they're all there in front of the Imam, they're watching the Imam, and they've got their hands up here like that as well. And then they say Allahu Akbar. And that's a risky thing to do. Because if you enter into the prayer at the very beginning, before the Imam does then you haven't followed the imam in the most essential part, which is the starting of the prayer. And so this will invalidate the prayer in its, entire, in its entirety. Whether you do it before the imam or with the imam, that's also a problem, doing it with the imam, like timing it absolutely perfectly. You have to follow the imam into the prayer. So if a person did that, what does he need to do? He needs to break and he needs to say takbir again. And that breaking doesn't need to be a salam or anything, but it can be, as we mentioned last week. But he needs to break that prayer immediately and do another takbir to be following the imam. Otherwise, he didn't enter in the first place. And the second scenario is if you um, uh, precede him to the uh, rukun. For example, the uh, uh, imam standing, you're standing, and you go... Uh, to ruku'ah before he goes to ruku'ah. Or you go to sajda before he goes to sajda. So you're both standing and about to go to ruku'ah, but you go first and he goes first. Or you're both samiyallahu alhamdulillah, imam has said, and you've stood up, and then you go down. And that happens, right? That happens especially when, when the imam has been uh, a new imam, right? You've got locals who are used to praying with their uh, thingy. You know, uh, uh, when I go back to my village, when I go back to my village, um, Either I will lead the prayer often. It's my father's masjid in our in our thing, and so that out of respect and so on and so forth, they will you know, really want me to lead. I don't go often, and it's a real challenge. It's a real stress because when we pray behind the imam that we have appointed, my guy's like like this, right? He goes Akbar. So these people are all like 80, 90, 100 yani years old. You know, they're all warriors of the village. So none of them yani, bother getting up. They're getting up ready to go down. From ruku'ah, I mean. So their ruku'ah, when they get back up, is already on the way down. That's, yani, it is what it is. At least the imam's on the ball. So he delays his statements, the Samiyallahu liman hamida, to actually be standing first before he says Samiyallahu liman hamida, because he knows the gang. And then he's on the way down before he says Allah Akbar, just to save the prayer of the elders. So he gets the sajda first before they drop into sajda. Because there's a difference between speaking before the imam 
and moving before the Imam. Right? We'll come to that at the end of the lesson. So when I'm leading this prayer, I'm just leading thinking it's all normal. What's happening? I'm saying some Yallahu Liman Hamida. All my boys are on the way down. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, yani, you know, and I'm going to say, you know, uh, uh, they're going to say, Alhamd. but I'm going to be saying, Hamdan kathiran tayyibun mubarakan. And they're all like this, and you can see them in frozen stasis. <laughs> you can see, you can like, you know, you can see out the side of your eyes that they're all like that in position going down. And then what you've got to do when you realize that, because you're not aware of it, then you realize that's where they are. You can't say Allahu Akbar. You've got to throw yourself down and then only say Allah Akbar right at the last second so that they don't you know, get any ideas. It's a stress, man. It's a mission. So this is the example that, 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 that is happening here. You make a record before the Imam or you go to sajda before the Imam. What if he does that? What must he do? And imagine how many of our elders are doing this all the time, by the way. Okay, I've seen so many of them make a sajda before the imam does. I've seen that, like we're standing in that line. He must go back so that he becomes a follower. So if he went down, so if any of you guys, obviously elders, it's not their lifetime now to change. They're, they're stuck in their ways, that's it. But you guys, if you did that, you've got to actually sit back up, stand back up to follow the imam back into the position. If you don't do that, then the prayer has been invalidated. And if you didn't do that because you didn't know that you had to do that, the prayer is okay. The third example. That and you're going to sabak with rukn al-ruku'a. So for example, the, 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 the uh, proceeding is in the ruku'a. So you go to the uh, ruku'a and then you stand back up before the imam even goes for ruku'a. This is a different situation. If he knows that he's doing this and he knows the ruling, and he wasn't like a sleep or he wasn't, you know, lost his mind. Prayer is invalidated. And if he didn't know what he's doing, not sure, jahil, or he's forgot, forgetful, then only that raka'ah is invalidated. And after the salah, when the imam goes, Salaam alaykum wa rahmatullah, he has to stand up because he didn't do the ruku'ah. That's a unique scenario. And the fourth scenario is that when you get in front of the imam outside of ruku'ah, not ruku'ah. For example, you go for sajda and you get up from sajda, meaning you're sitting up now, before the imam may even makes sajda. What does this person have to do? He has to go back and follow his imam. And if he does not do that, then the prayer is invalidated. And if he is ignorant and so on, then the prayer is acceptable. And the fifth situation, and the final situation, is that you get in front of the imam by two arkan. For example, you will make, you will make sajda, and you will then sit up, so the imam hasn't even started and you've done two arkan. So the imam is still up here. You've gone to sajda and sat back up, which means that you did the rukan of the sajda and the rukan of sitting back up. That's something also that the Hanafis do not uh, hold to be a rukan. That's why you see so many people and so many Muslims actually, when they're in sajda, they go for sajda and then they only get up, like to touch their knees and they go back down again. Have you seen that game? Yeah, right? Literally, it's just a tap on the knees, whatever. Let alone go back. Body relax. Allahu Akbar. Rabbi ghfirli. Rabbi ghfirli. Calm, breathe in, out. Let the diaphragm settle. Allahu Akbar. No. They're like, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Right? And when I used to teach fiqh salah, it's, you know, I've seen a cartoon once. That's why I describe it in that sense. It's like that they've got an uh, elastic which is stuck to their chest that when they're coming up, they're struggling to... Uh, and it snaps them back down again. 
You know, like they're, they're attached to the floor. It's crazy. It's crazy. So this is a rukun, of course. So sit back up. And this rukun, you've already gone, and you've gone into sajda. You're two complete ones in head ahead. What does uh, uh, what's the the, the, the summary? Uh, the summary is uh, uh, that if he knows about it, the prayer is invalidated, and if he is unaware or he's forgetful, then that unit is only. Um, uh, invalidated and then he has to do it Sheikh says this is the Hanbali Madhab this is the Hanbali Madhab and the summary of all forms of proceeding then Sheikh in his way he goes as for what I think is more correct to make it more simple Sheikh Uthameen always making things a bit more simple he goes he goes listen it doesn't matter what happens yani whenever you knowingly get in front of your Imam to these positions, then your prayer is invalidated in all of these categories. All of the types of preceding the imam, it is invalidated. And in all of these categories, if you precede the imam not knowing or ignorant of the rule, don't understand, not with it, then the prayer is correct and valid until the excuse has been lifted. Because that excuse might not, you know, someone might say or push them or tell them to get up. And that's when the excuses is ended. So he has to, that has to be in the time of the, uh, uh, of the excuse. However, has to go back. And he has to go back and into the position to then follow the imam. Otherwise, the whole prayer is going to go. Sheikh then says something really nice. And I really like this. And this would be good for us to finish off this uh, chapter with. Okay? He says that whilst we're speaking about sabq, let's talk about all the times, he says, وَبِمُنَاسَبَةِ الْكَلَامِ عَلَى سَبَقِ إِلَى الرُّكَنْ أَوْ بِالرُّكَنْ نَذْكُرْ أَحْوَالَ الْمَأْمُومِ مَعْ إِمَامِهِ He goes, let's just summarize the whole possible situations that can happen when there is an imam and a follower in terms of forward, same time, back. And this is actually really useful. All right? So he goes, when a person is following an imam, there are only four possibilities how he does that and what he will do in that. The first is sabq. Sabq means to precede the imam. The second is takhalluf, which means that he gets behind the imam. So, you know, that's that classic one I was speaking about last week, when you remain in sajda, making dua, dua, whatever, blah, 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 and the imam's in tashahud already, nearly finishing. Or that classic, you know, you're in fatiha, the imam's a quick one, and you haven't finished fatiha, and he's already gone for ruku'ah and you're in danger of missing the ruku' because you're still carrying on. You're delaying, right? It's the opposite of the first one. This is called takhalluf. Number three is al-muwafaqa. Muwafaqa means you're moving exactly with the imam. Everything is in complete sync with the imam. And the fourth and the final one is following the imam. And now it's not genius to recognize that that's the sunnah. That's the actual one that you need to do. The one which is following the imam after their actions. He goes, let's look at these in detail. Al-awwal, as-sabq. He goes, what do we know? That to precede the imam is haram. And not just haram, as we covered two lessons ago. The three cities guys, we did it, uh, I think. yeah. That this is not only haram, but from the kabair. It is from the major sins. And we spoke about how the major sins are made clear to us. Major sins, one of the indicating signs is when your punishment is mentioned. That's a sign of a major sin. And another way that you know that it's a major sin is? An animal. All right, being compared to an animal, that's a problem. Right, so, so it's haram. There's no doubt about it being haram. But like we said, like we said, sometimes a person can do a haram, but the prayer itself legally remains valid. 
Right? So that's something that we need to keep in mind. Anyway, Sheikh says, uh, in preceding an imam, the deen makes it clear that it's haram. And aqli, aql, yani, also, what the point, what's the point of some, calling someone an imam if you were in front of them? Imam means to be in front and forward of. So obviously. So he goes, um, so that's the first part. He goes, uh, second is takhalluf. He goes that takhalluf, staying behind, not staying behind, what's the word I should use? Not staying behind. Lagging Delay? Behind. Lagging behind. Lagging, good, yeah. Lagging behind, yeah. Lagging behind is two types, he said. Lagging behind is two types. One of an excuse and without excuse. So he goes, the first type, that he has an excuse. So this is what we spoke about with the sisters and stuff, right? And, uh, but, but what we're talking about is electricity going out. We're talking big mosque. We're talking following the imam. You notice, by the way, in the imam that the speaker's not great sometimes, huh? Sheikh Yasser al I think it was in Maghrib, was it? That he was going... And the support guy more than... And, you know, this was me thinking, my goodness, the one time that I took my guy out, he actually became useful. <laughs> the mukabbir guy, right? <laughs> Honestly, man, that is a, for the first time I've ever actually followed the mukabbir. For you guys online, you lot know, I mean, these LP folks, they know how much I can't stand that guy and everybody can't stand that guy. But we couldn't hear the imam at all. We, we, we prayed outside in Maghrib, and Isha, sorry. Um, and all of Isha was absolutely fine. Was it absolutely fine inside? Yeah, okay, so I was thinking, wonder maybe that some of the speakers aren't working, but I think it's the mic, he was doing one of those Hudayfi jobs where he's like, you know, says it to himself, you know? <laughs> People do that, you know, they forget they're in the big game. Anyway, so, um, uh, 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 what was I saying? Yeah, so, um, so he gives an example. Uh, for in, uh, uh, so, for example, if you have delayed, right, so for example, if the imam has gone forward, like he went for ruku'a and you didn't, and then he stood back up and you haven't, right? You just quickly get back into shape, like we're doing for the janazah prayers, yeah? Many of us, you know, we're getting late to the first takbir, we stand up, and then he does Allah Akbar, pretty immediate, but we're still in Fatiha. So you quickly finish your Fatiha, and then you say Allahu Akbar, whilst the imam has actually done it maybe 10 seconds before. So that's the kind of example. You catch up quickly, okay? And, وَلَا حَرَجَ حَتَّى وَإِنْ كَانَ رُكْنًا كَامِلًا أَوْ رُكْنَيْنَ He goes, even if it's one whole rukn or even two arkan. فَلَوْ أَنَّ And if a person, for example, was forgetful or he was not aware, or for example, he didn't hear the imam. حَتَّى سَبَقَوَ الْإِمَامِ بِرُكْنٍ أَوْ رُكْنَيْنَ So he just comes and he follows it, okay? This is really important. He goes, this is only the case, of course, if the delay that you're delaying is something that you can catch up with and not that he's done one whole unit. You know when you lap someone? Obviously, the racing car fans will know what it means to lap someone, but when I say lap, meaning that he's... So the classic example here is that Imam is leading the prayer, and he's and then it cuts out and everyone's thinking my god what's happening right and then after like one minute he goes and he goes oh man that's alright yeah and Sheikh gives an example he goes it's Jum'ah prayer so he's expecting to hear but he instead hears so he knows immediately oh sugar my guy went and did the whole raka'ah He's in the second rak'ah of Jum'ah. I've missed the whole rak'ah. Now, what did we just say a minute ago? 
We said that if he's a couple of arkan ahead of you, you catch him up. But how are you going to catch up a whole rak'ah? You're not going to. So the ruling is, if you delay or lag behind and he laps you, and he meets you in the same position, whether in sajda, or whether in ruku, or whether in rak'ah, you don't then go forward. Common sense, what's going to happen? What do you do? Correct, exactly that. You will now continue. That now becomes your first rak'ah. You will now continue, and the rak'ah that's missed, up, missed, you then stand up afterwards, and you make it up. Yep, nice and, uh, uh, nice and simple. Um, so that's that. Uh, what can I uh, say? Uh, yeah. Now he sent. He then he then says, "فَإِنْ عَلَمَ بِتَخَلُّفِهِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَصْلِ الْإِيمَانِ إلَى مَكَانِهِ فَإِنَّهُ يَقْضِي وَيُتَابِعُ وَيُتَابِعُ إِمَامَهُ مَثَالُهُ رَجُلٌ قَائِمٌ عَلَى الْإِمَامِ فَرَكَ الْإِمَامُ وَهُوَ لَمْ يَسْمَعَ الرُّقُوعَ." So now the imam is standing. The imam goes to rukuwa and he did not hear that he's gone to rukuwa. And then suddenly imam says, "سَمِيَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِيدَهُ." And he realizes, "Oh my God, I missed rukuwa." By the way. Well, you know, I've got to say something. When men hear this, they're like, oh my God, this is disaster. This is standard affair for women. Day and night. You know what it is? I'm on a proper para when I go into a masjid and I just can't stop thinking about what the girls are doing. <laughs> I, I, it's just a dominant thought in my head because I hate this barrier thing, right? And I think to myself, you know, like when I go in and I see a girl behind me go in and I'm thinking, I'm watching my guy and I know what's happening. When he says Allahu Akbar, I know exactly where he is because I can see him. These girls hear Allahu Akbar, they've got to play, play a guessing game. If there's no girl in there already, how are you guys working out? I've got no idea. I've got no idea. You're, I mean, it's a disaster, isn't it? They hear Allahu Akbar and they've got to, you know, it could be the beginning, could be the second, could be the third. It's just a, it's just a, it's a joke. And it honestly is. So I'm a big fan of, the, of the, the, the new invention of having a TV screen in the women's section, by the way. I like that a lot, okay? And uh, Masajid, I think, should implement that. It will help uh, women in that scenario. But anyway, put that, put that aside. Um, if you are in this scenario where, uh, uh, you, you know, you hear some, Yallahu al-Man Hamida, فَنَقُولْ إِرْكَعْ وَرْفَعْ So you now suddenly go for a call quickly and stand back up. You catch him up because it's there, you know? It's just a couple of arkan there. Now, so I think that's pretty clear. Catching up possible and not catching up when you've been lapsed. The second type, he goes, is uh, when you lag behind without excuse. So this happened and you had no idea. You couldn't hear. That's an excuse. Now you don't have an excuse. إِمَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ تَخَلُّفِ الرُّكَنْ أَوْ تَخَلُّفًا بِالرُّكَنْ Okay, فِالرُّكَنْ أَوْ بِالرُّكَنْ What does that mean? فِالرُّكَنْ So you've lagged behind within a pillar of the prayer. For example, مَعْنَهُ أَنْتَ تَأَخَّرَ عَنِ الْمُتَابَعَةِ لكن تدرك الإمام في الركن الذي انتقل إليه مثلا أن يركع الإمام وقد بقي عليك آية أو آيتان من السورة وبقيت قائما تكمل ما بقي عليك لكنك ركعت وأدركت الإمام في الركوع فالركعة هنا صحيحة شيخ says you're in both you standing right إمام goes الله أكبر goes for ركوع you still got one or two آيات left right in your uh, whatever you're reciting, whether it's Fatiha, whether it's Surah, and you rush to finish it and don't join the Imam. And then you finish it and you join the Imam just before he gets up. So this was you lagging behind with no excuse because you know what you're meant to do. You're meant to stop and go into Ruku'ah. Okay? 
So what does Sheikh say? The rak'ah is valid because you just about caught the imam. لكن الفعل مخالف للسنة. But what you did was against the sunnah. You should not have been delaying to finish your surah. That's unacceptable. لأن المشروع, what is legislated in this situation, is that when you, when the imam goes uh, uh, into ruku', you've got to go in, not delay behind, because the Prophet ﷺ said, إذا ركع فركعوا. When he goes to bow, bow. Yeah, not wait, finish, do this, do that, whatever. Okay? وتخلف بالركن معناه أن الإمام يسبقك بالركن. So the second type, when he completely gets ahead of you by a ruken, is when the imam goes for ruku' and then stands back up before you make ruku'. And I see this all the time and you will see this as well. This is a person who's carrying on in their, su- in their surah, delays and misses the imam in the ruku'. So the imam's in gone to ruku' and stood back up and you're still standing finishing your surah. And people say this, you know, when we're praying taraweeh behind Ferrari imam and all that kind of thing. That's the classic example. People trying to kind of finish off the Fatiha because this guy's on a, on a mad one and he's, you know, going up and down. Whether he's on a mad one or not, you are not to finish your Fatiha. That's the whole point here. You're meant to go with the Imam however crazy fast he's going. So what did the Fuqaha say about this? Al-Fuqaha, rahimahumullah, they say this, is, this takhalluf is like the sabaq. This situation right now where you've delayed a rukan is like you getting ahead a, a, a rukan. Okay? For if you missed a whole ruku'ah because you, went, uh, you were behind, your prayer is invalidated. Just like yani, we were spoke, speak, spoke uh, earlier on. You going forward by a whole ruku'ah and getting back up before the imam joins you, proceeding, is the same as lagging behind. The imam has gone forward and got back up again before you've even gone down, like swapping scenarios. He goes, the prayers is, is uh, 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 invalidated. Okay, and uh, but if it, but as they said, but if it wasn't a ruku'ah and it was sajda, so for example, the imam has gone to sajda and sat back up again and you haven't even gone to sajda yet, then we, we just saw that the fuqaha, they said the prayer is valid, the actual prayer is, is valid, then there's no, there's no problem, just got to make up that ruku'ah. What does Sheikh Uthameen say? The more correct opinion in this whole issue is that. If you go and delay your prayer with uh, uh, a whole rukan missed out without any excuse, your prayer is invalidated. Whether that was a ruku', whether that was a sujood, whatever it was, it is absolutely impermissible and your prayer is invalidated. Because, wa'ala hadha, so based upon this, law anna al-imam rafa'a min al-sajdat al-ula, this is so important. Imam's in sajda. You're in sajda. The imam goes, Allahu Akbar, and you are still knocking out your dua in sajda. Now someone was asking me, what was it? Etiquettes of dua in sajda? Yeah? So uh, just a quick summary on that. When you're in sajda, the Prophet ﷺ said, call upon your Lord because he is most close. When we're in that humble yani, home of ours, this is a really natural position, organic position to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're meant to increase in your dua. You, set, you, you do your subhanahu rabbi al-a'la, minimum legal for what the position is, and now it's your own time. In your own time right now, you have some flexibility in your dua and possibly some flexibility in language as well. Ideally, it's to be done in Arabic and you're not taking the risk 
of following fatwas from scholars. Okay, fatwas from scholars. And this is an apt uh, moment. I, I was late on this, but uh, obviously Sheikh Yusuf al-Qardawi passing away, alayhi rahmatullah, a absolute giant of this ummah. People will not realize for a while when, until they see the void, right? Not only is he obviously very old and very senior and been and done absolutely everything, passing away at the age of 96 odd, similar to the queen, born at the same time as the queen, subhanAllah, how the difference and the contrast between them. This is a sheikh who was a, involved in, with the people there with all the masses, whether it was praying of al-Mawdudi in Pakistan, whether it was meeting Muhammad Ali, the boxer, whether it was giving da'wah, whether it was taking on the Egyptian government when it was through their crimes, whether it's, yani, he's done it all. You're writing, researching, giving fatwa, this, that, blah, blah. Yani, subhanAllah, so disrespected, so much yani, cussing that he got throughout his life because he was seen as a liberal, because he was seen as someone yani, that was uh, uh, not, uh, not serious in his fiqh, etc. Actually, subhanAllah, I am in ayatullah. Right? His whole life, uh, uh, teaching and uh, fatwa and... Of course, the Arab world knew him very well because he was leading that program of, on Jazeera. What was it called? Well, that was the program called? The Jazeera program? Al-Hayaw al-Sharia? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was the program that he faced. Uh, he led all this time until he got ill. Then I think Adedo took over for a while. And then it's... Uh, anyway, he's a superstar, huge. Anyway, the uh, reason I mention him, alayhi rahmatullah, is because he was one of these uh, scholars that gave the fatwa that it is permissible to make the uh, uh, dua in sajda in one's own language. And even he would, of course, like that to only be in the, the sunnah prayers because that's a little bit more flexible and for people to avoid that in the obligatory prayers. But even our own teacher, Sheikh Kehlan, he gave the fatwa that it is something which is uh, uh, permissible in uh, the obligatory prayers as a represent as a as a recognition of the state of the ummah because they don't pray sunnah. If you look at the elderly, they're praying sunnah all the time. Young folks, they're like, what's sunnah? What's nothing? Right? That's obligatory prayer and out. And Sheikh was like, listen, if we restrict this to just the sunnah prayers, nobody is making dua ever because they don't do what their parents do afterwards either. You know what I'm saying? That's like an old person thing too. Right? Now, you know what I mean? These little things. They might even actually be achieving the sunnah sometimes because making dua after each prayer is not from the sunnah of the Prophet But they're not following the sunnah. Yani. That's, the, that's because it's the lazy packs. That's all. right? And um, So anyway, uh, I think it's permissible. But ideally what you want to do is to memorize the, the, uh, the ahadith of the Prophet when it comes to dua and use those in your sajda. That's the very best thing you can do. And if you're really desperate, then you speak in your own native tongue, Urdu. English, whatever. So this is the etiquette of making dua in sajda. And uh, also what I'll say is that you should avoid reciting any Qur'an. You might say, why would you, recite, why would you avoid reciting Qur'an? Um, because, um, uh, you know, uh, why would you be reciting Qur'an in sajda? Because sajda is a very emotional position. You know when people get back to what they, what they are, yeah, who they are, they recognize themselves, that's their best dua. But in addition to best dua, it's also you're closest to Allah, so you become emotional. One of the really easy ways to get emotional is to recite Qur'an. And when you're emotional and you recite Qur'an, you even even more impactful. So it's actually very easy to recite Qur'an in sajda and not be aware of it. Okay, Especially to get yourself in the mood, and especially because there's du'as in there. Now the scholars differed on this issue, that would a rabbana atina fi dunya, which is everyone's favorite du'a, nice and easy, everyone knows it. I should say that in my sajda. It's in Arabic, I avoid all the problems of using English, and it's a du'a, I know what it means, and I want to say it. 
The problem is we have this hadith which says that you're not allowed to recite Quran in the sajda. And Rabbana Atina, of course, is an ayah from the Quran. The scholars differed and they said, you know what it is? When an ayah from the Quran is so famous as a dua, then maybe that's an exception. Maybe that's an exception because he's not actually reciting, but he's making dua with that. Or the easy way is to change the ayah. So it's not an ayah anymore. So when you're saying Rabbana Atina, if you make it Allahumma Atina fi dunya hasana, which is the same meaning. Rabbana is our Lord, give us the best in this life and this. But you say Allahumma, oh Allah, give us. This. So you changed it a little bit. You get what I'm saying? So um, I think that you should stick to Arabic. If you're really desperate, you can use English. The single, sim, the single, sorry, most important thing is to not make your dua more important than the prayer. If you hear the Imam say Allahu Akbar, then get back up. That's the whole point we're trying to say. So imagine now that you are in your sajda and you didn't get back up. So the Imam now, where did we get to? Where is it? Uh, yeah. So he goes. Uh, uh, so he, uh, the Imam, has sat back up from the first sajda, and this this ma'mum, the follower, is making du'a in his sajda, and he stays there until the Imam has gone into the second sajda. So he's gone up and down, and you're still in the first sajda. Like I said, I see this all the time. Sheikh Uthameen says that the salah batila. Because the prayer has been invalidated because you lag behind a whole entire rukan. Okay? And if you lag behind a whole rukan, where is the following aslan which you are commanded to do? This is a straightforward position. I've got to say that I don't find a problem with it. That's the class position as well. If you lag behind a whole rukan on purpose, your prayer is invalidated. It's a, strict, it's a, it's a dangerous uh, act to do. It's a harsh ruling. And it will keep people in check if they start to... Uh, follow it. And then the third one is al-muwafaqa, to be in line with the imam, in sync with the imam. And Sheikh says that there are, there are two types of being in sync. You can either be in sync in statement uh, or in sync with the actions itself. Okay? So there are two types. Al-qism al-awwal, al-muwafaqa fil-aqwal, fala tadur illa fi takbirat al-ihram wassalam. He goes that actually if it's about speaking, then if you are following the Imam 100% in speaking, it's not a problem except in two scenarios. The first one is takbirat al-ihram and the second one is in salam. He gives the example. Amma fi takbirat al-ihram. For example, for in law kabarta qabla an yutim al-imam takbirat al-ihram, lam tan'aqil salatuka aslan. If you are, say Allahu Akbar at the same time with your Imam and your takbir ends before his one uh, does, then you haven't actually entered the prayer like you were meant to. And you have to go back. And there is no going back because that was the first thing of the actual thing anyway. And so your prayer is invalidated. You didn't even enter in the first place and you've got to start again with a new takbir. Now, why is he making this point? Because, you know, people do this. And as, I used to, as I've said before in Fiqh Salah, this is, means nothing. Or this means nothing. And it's a sunnah of takbir to ihram Takbir al-ihram starts with the takbir. So you've got to focus on takbir. The same is for the salam. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. You know this moving? This moving to the right and to the left is the sunnah aspect. It's not the rukan. The rukan is the statement. Meaning that when the imam says, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, the prayer is over. Whether he turns his face or not. Because the ruling is based upon the statement of exit, just like the Allah Akbar was a statement of entry. Okay? So he says, فَقَالَ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِنَّهُ يُقْرَهُ 
and to sallim al-imam taslimat al-ula wa thaniya yani it is disliked to when the imam says assalamu you go assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah then the imam goes and you say assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah if you do it with the imam exactly muwafaqatan it is makruh wa amma إذا سلمت تسليمة الأولى بعد تسليمة الأولى وتسليمة الثانية بعد تسليمة الثانية فإن هذا لا بأس به. and if you were let him to say السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله copying him in each one this is no problem. لكن الأفضل شيخ أثمين says this is interesting is أن لا تسلم إلا بعد تسليمتين. you should not give the salam and this is the Shafi'i opinion okay and it can get a bit exaggerated until he's done both of them. So, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So, you will say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. All right? Now, this is, uh, the scholars differ over this because this is two big actions. And personally, this is not the, our class position. That a person yani, should not let two go by before he gives a salam, but let at least one finish, let the other one start, then you go and do your first one. So, this is Sheikh saying that these are two areas you've got to be very careful. But in the rest of the scenarios, it doesn't matter. And he gives a really good example. He goes, for example, if you are uh, 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 in line with the imam or even getting in front of the imam in statement, it's not a problem. For example, Fatiha. He gives the example of Dhuhr. So if an imam is leading you in Dhuhr prayer and when, when he's leading Dhuhr prayer, you can't hear what he's saying. But you know that he's reciting Fatiha and you are reciting Fatiha. How do you know whether you're in front of him or behind him? You don't, do you? Okay, now... You should know because the imam, it is a sunnah to raise your voice here and there to let the people behind know where you are. Like this. So that the guy knows, okay, where I am, I know where the imam is, let's keep it cool. And that's what should be uh, 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 done. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter. If you get in front and you go, and now you're reciting the surah and then you hear, Yani the imam's behind you, your prayer is valid, your prayer is fine. That goes to show that there is fiqh behind uh, delaying or getting in front in terms of statements. It doesn't matter. Statements do not matter, except when it's takbirat al-ihram and when it's the salam, because those are fundamental key statements that you've got to be a little bit behind on. All right? Al-qism al-thani, al-qism al-thani, the second type, is to be absolutely in sync with action. Okay? And this is makruh. This is disliked. So now look at this. This is the Imam saying Allah Akbar and you go Allah Akbar at the same time. Why is it makruh? Because it's against the Sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, when he goes, then you go. So you are meant to follow. You are meant to follow. Do not make ruku' until he makes raka'ah. And then in sajda as well. Okay? In sajda as well. The Prophet ﷺ said, don't make sajda until he makes sajda. This is something very, very, very important. I'm about to say a hadith. Al-Barra ibn Azib radiallahu anhu. We spoke about him at Uhud, right? Young, young a child. He was not allowed to go. Remember at Uhud, we spoke about him. Young, narrated so many hadith on salah and other things. Many years after the passing of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Radiallahu anhu, he said, Kana nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Iza qala sami allahu liman hamida, Lam yahni ahadun minna dhahrahu, Hatta yaqa'an nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sajida. Okay? Check this out. He goes, whenever the Prophet ﷺ would go into, when he would say, okay, none of us would move. Our backs would not move until 
the Prophet ﷺ would move to the next stage. For example, when he goes into sajda, we do not go into sajda until he's actually in sajda. So there's a very significant waiting period. Not with. So he goes, Allah Akbar, and you go. No, let him go down. Bara said, none of us used to do that. Meaning that he, Imam goes down, then we go down. Once he's in sajda, that's the only time I'm moving down. That is how important it is to get it spot on. And the final page and the final one is al-mutaba'ah, to follow the imam. Al-mutaba'ah, here is sunnah, simple as that. To follow the imam is the sunnah, and it means that in af'al of the prayer, you do not get in front of the imam, but you just make sure that you are behind him all the time. For example, when he makes ruku', you go for uh, ruku'. وَإِن لَمْ تَكْمَلَ قَرَاءَ الْمُسْتَحَبَّةِ It doesn't matter that you have not finished off the reciting. It doesn't matter that you didn't finish the surah. It doesn't matter whatever it is. When he goes, then you will go with him. Okay? Even if there is an ayah uh, allow, uh, uh, left, because it is, you can't be making uh, takhalluf. Alright? Likewise in saj- sajda, etc., etc. He goes, mas'ala. He goes, a situation. If the iqama goes for the prayer, and the imam says, Allahu Akbar, and then he starts reciting Fatiha, um, and... The, the guy, he's sitting there, like texting, yeah? So he's texting, and he's finishing off the texting, and he doesn't join the prayer. Doesn't join the prayer. Imam has done takbir, Imam has done fatiha, okay? فَبَقِيَ فِي مَكَانِهِ Right? And then when the imam goes, Allahu Akbar, you know, that's the big shock, right? That, oh my God, I'm about to miss the rakah. So he jumps up, and he, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, goes into ruku'ah. Got it? Yes, you got the situation. So here, he has lagged behind, like, I don't know how much lagged behind, yeah? The takbir, the fatiha, the Allah Akbar, the everything. Sheikh Uthameen asked the question. Inna, uh, 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 do we now say about this guy that inna hadha yujib an takun salatu batila, that his prayer is invalidated? His prayer is invalidated because he did not recite the fatiha. Or do we say, no, this guy is a latecomer and he caught the prayer in Ruqur. Which one of the two do we say? What do you think? Latecomer to the prayer. And you're right. That's what Sheikh Uthameen says as well. Because he goes that clearly uh, 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 he didn't enter into the prayer. And so if he didn't enter the prayer, he's not held accountable to the rulings of the prayer. He's a fool. He missed out on so much khair. Sheikh says that he missed out on the takbirat al-tahrima, al-ihram, which a person has to do. is very, very important. Okay, the excellence of that. And he didn't recite Fatiha. And that's a privilege. You know, uh, people forget that, right? People forget that. Especially in a congregation, the imam's job is to make you even more aware, especially because when you're reciting yourself, what do you tend to do? <coughs> when you're reciting your prayer, you recite, Alhamdulillah, Rahim, Maliki, Right? Whereas that's very, very rare in a masjid or whatever the masjid by an imam. And whenever you are in a following in a congregation and you hear the imam say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, that is definitely not your prayer by yourself. And therefore you've got a rare opportunity to have a gap period and you can visualize the hadith in Sahih Muslim of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responding to each one of your statements. You understand what I'm trying to say? Now you know that hadith yourself, and you know that if I say myself, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, myself, alone, silently, and I, can, and I know that I've just said that, and Allah has said, 
And you visualize this. Allah has turned to his angels. Did you see that? Hamadini Abdi. My, 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 my slaves just praise me. And, you vis- and you, then you're in the mode for a conversation. person doing that by themselves in their own prayer is a wali. Yeah, and if he can do that. Because that's tough. But where he's doing it in... Yeah, Abdan Ayyub. I know he's doing it all the time. But the, the doing it with an imam who's reciting it, yeah, and, you know, slow, you've got all the much greater chance of achieving that reward. So a privilege will lie to recite Fatiha and a surah. So people should look at it from that point of view, not just the uh, 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 thing. And Sheikh also says, also it's a silly idea because you're risking not catching raka. You're risking that, yeah, because you don't know whether the imam might go up a little bit early. Wallahu a'lam. Because even some scholars said that, that, that raka is not valid. And that, folks, is possibly the most efficient hour LP I've done in my entire life because I was so desperate I need to finish that section and to uh, uh, close this game and the, the heat here is so mental okay I spent my whole day with my hat off and I come in the night time where I have no reason whatsoever except to get rid of the bikini tan line and boiled myself silly so Allah mustaan all right, let's do some questions online and uh, thingy. Mesa is having an absolute time of her life. She's like, that was the greatest lesson in history. <laughs> and literally, she's so happy. Efficient indeed. LOL. She's like dancing everything amazingly happy. Yes, Nabila. So you, you're finishing up your ayah, but then the Imam goes into the door. Yes. But you're at a place where it would be predicted. Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good. Very good question. So you are... Uh, uh, with that, wallahi, the problem is, is that you give me, sorry Nabila, but I just wanted to sort this out. With that, is giving me the reminder about the results. Yani, at the end of the lesson, when my phone is recording, Ya Baji, how am I meant to see these exam results? When it's on the phone, and you remind me when the phone is on, and you remind me when I can't see anything. Tell me that. It's two, two weeks in a row. She's going to say, this is your second week in a row. Baji, the, the reason I told you to remind me is because I know it's going to happen yani, every week. So unless you've got some amazing move where you email it to me uh, with that or show it to me on the screen and say to me, I emailed it, I can't cover it. Uh, but I'm more than willing to because we need to. You know what? Why don't we do this when we get back, man? With that, just honestly, when I'm not on my phone, I can pick up my phone and Shaz needs to worry about the camera. Let's do this next week, inshallah. All right, let's do it next week and we can then give out some prizes as well. Uh, uh, so Nabila said, she said that you're in a surah and the imam has said, Allahu Akbar, at a time where if you said Allahu Akbar, not only is it disrespectful cutting in the middle of an ayah, but a meaning would change. Right? You'd stop at a point which is incorrect, yani, to just pause there. Because in the recitation of Quran, there are some kind of adab rules that you, you, know, you, you, got, you can't pause in certain places. So, uh, uh, so here, you would finish that. And that's on the basis, or finish or get yourself to a place where it is... Uh, uh, acceptable. Ideally, you'd also finish the ayah because you are clear in your head that this is a very short three seconds, for example, and you're not going to miss the, f- the meaning of following the imam. You know that absolute certainty I'm not going to miss it. This is a similar what we've been saying all year when it comes to the person who is uh, in the sunnah prayer in Fajr and the imam gives the iqama. What does a person do? We said if this guy's got a real good chance of catching that first raka'ah by missing the prayer. And you know, as I said, it's important to know your peoples, right? So if you're in a masjid where you know that the imam is going to go and then straighten the lines and say, tarasu, and then look around and you know, treat, you know you've got some time. But if you know that you don't have time, and the guy's a quick one, 
then in the first rak'ah you're going to cut the prayer. So same with the, the ayah. If you're in a situation where it's a risk and you feel it like risky, and then you don't then take that risk, you will then at least cover yourself to not stop on the haram part, maybe another word or two, and then you join the imam. And if you know you've got like about 10, 20 seconds here, I'm all right, then you would use two seconds to complete the verse. So it is a case-by-case basis. Would I say that a person who knew that they were going to take a risk with missing the ruku'ah should stop where he stops? I think it's okay to stop, even there. Because actually, it is more important to join the imam and not miss the ruku'ah, which is obligatory. I want you to listen to this, Nabi. This is important because a lot of people make in my opinion, and we've had arguments about this before online and everything, this whole science where people come up with that you can't stop here and you got to pause here, you know, like the jeems and the lambs and, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> what people forget is that this is human endeavor. Now, I know all the Qur'an people are going to go nuts on me and the, the Tajweed teachers, they, they went, men, you know, the, 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 the Huda Masif, yani, the aunties, they go mental on this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but... They need to know that this is human endeavor, mahal al ishtihad and no doubt that there are good scholars and there's some lines from Sahaba and we've got some ideas of what the Sunnah is. But it can't, it can't uh, compete against a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, which is absolutely obligatory, which is when the Imam goes to Ruku, go to Ruku. It can't, you can't compete with some, you understand what I'm trying to say? And so therefore, if that scenario, which is a very rare one, that you right at that moment came to a haram point, that you know is wrong and I've got to say at least another three, four words, but if I don't go, I'm going to miss it, you would stop there and you would go for a quarter. And Allah knows best. Fiza, yeah. So you said that we can't sing with the imam and sing the salam because the wording of it is a rukun. Yes. But by that definition, the wording of Fatiha is also a rukun. It is. The wording is a rukun. But there's no consequences for being front or back, yani because you can't hear him. Do you understand? Like, what's the consequence? See, sometimes, you know, scholars, they work backwards, right? Like, this, this example that they gave of takbir al-ihram being a problem and taslim being a problem, they work backwards because they said, well, how else could the rule work? If in dhuhr you can't hear the imam, and you can't, and you are required to recite Fatiha, how on earth is it possible that you are going to be in line with the Imam? Do you understand? So they work backwards. So you're right, of course it's a rukun, Fatiha. But the consequences of going forward or back in statement have no consequences. That's why they, it's a nice point actually what he made. It's a detailed academic point. Rizwan. You mentioned the example of the, the companions and that uh, young companion is great for the process of the Yes. to then make the new Wouldn't that then cause, if you've got multiple roles, for people to then be going down at different times and then for eventually for there to be a delay? Yes, potentially, except that they know that the sunnah is for takbir to be done during movement. So you don't need to see that. He's commenting that we didn't go down until we saw him go down. But this can be translated in a different way for the other people as when the takbir was done, we didn't move yani, until it was done. So there's no problem there either. Yes, Mazita. Do I sound like you, by the way? Do I sound like her? Sorry, oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> that's so bad. Try again, Mazi, to try again. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for myself when I hear you, bro. This is what you guys have to listen to, man. 
So you can't see the Imam because you're praying behind a barrier, yeah? Baji, you look underneath the thingy like this. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. You're inside. Uh, listen, I've done that, by the way. I've done that. So you know when this happens. You know when it happened. Actually, when it happened. Uh, uh, um, you know, one of the great things about making dhikr after salah, especially if you like lean against the wall, it's not good habit. I'm not going to say, but I do like this. But then I told you in a group tawaf, you know, one of the things I spend a lot of time doing is watching other people, you know, creating all the stories and the narratives. It's a buzz, right? Okay. So the other thing that I'm addicted to is in the masjid, I will, uh, uh, I find, I like finding a wall. Lean back against it, make my dhikr and observe things. So uh, on the first night that we arrived in Medina, um, the three city guys came earlier. You came obviously even earlier than us. So we was on free session. So I thought, let me go and do a little bit of, you know what I mean? A bit of exploring. So I went to, and I've always wanted to, but never, I can never do it with a group. I've always wanted to pray in the masjid in Uhud. You know, the massive one. So I was praying in there, finished Maghrib. Then I'm leaning back and I was doing my dhikr, watching all going on. And a guy comes and he leads the, the prayer for the late comers. Oh my God, that masjid is so noisy. I was fascinated. I was thinking, how are these guys going to hear this guy in front of him? Right? It was an old guy, Miskeen, right? So his voice was so whatever. I, I, I reckon he was sitting where you are. And there was about seven people behind him, right? And they were praying behind him. I couldn't hear his movements, his Allah Akbar, Allah and Hamida. I couldn't hear and I was like, whoa, yeah, how are these guys going to follow him or not? And I honestly was in two minds, I'm going to go up and I'm going to say Allahu Akbar for these guys or whatever. And then obviously you see what happened, didn't it? The guy goes Allahu Akbar and they were lying there, they were still in sajda. Because there's so much noise, so much background noise. And then one of them was in the, in the, in the, in the like that. Little cheek. If he, if he doesn't do that, then the whole situation goes wrong, right? Yeah? Sometimes, by the way, I've led the prayer, and I've forgotten that I'm leading the prayer. <laughs> right? So I'm getting up from sajda. I'm standing with not a care in the world. They haven't heard my takbir. I've heard my takbir. I'm, I'm chilling. They're in sajda. I ain't got a clue what's going on. And what they've done is that at some point, one person's obviously lifted his head, Seen me standing here and it happened time in my life, yeah? And he's gone, Allah Akbar, for the rest of his buddies to stand up. So it does happen. And so I think that a little look in the situation is allowed. What did we say for the sisters when this happens? We said that, um, that the, the, the worst case scenario, if they didn't take some action and take a look and get back into the right space and help the girls get up or whatever, then there's only going to be two scenarios. Break your prayer there and then. Uh, meaning, sorry, break the congregational prayer with the imam and one girl goes forward and, and uh, uh, you carry on with the new imam, right? The imama, yani the, 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 the lady. Or you break the congregational prayer and you carry on and complete it yourself. So if we're going to go to that level, then having a cheeky little, <laughs> cheeky little gander, yani is, 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 a, is a, you know, it's a minor, right, isn't it? Yeah, not to brag, but in the, in the States we don't have that. 
issue of being behind doors. Ah. Uh. In the space, most of our masjids, you can see, you know, behind Bro, doors. listen, don't don't get me started, yeah. <laughs> don't get me started. Okay. Not only are you bragging, not only are you bragging, but you have the right to brag. Yani, we are so backward, yani, in the Muslim world and even in the UK. I told all these people, oh no, I send them all, all my students all day and night. I honestly think we are 10 full years behind the American Muslim community in Masajid. Thank God we're behind them 10 years in the other Bakwas they do, yeah? Okay, right? Because otherwise we would have sold out a long time ago, yeah? But in Masajid, you guys with all the basketball courts and uh, halls and mm, yani, but especially the barrier, the ladies' barrier. Just a adab type, yani, lattice structure, mosaic kind of behavior. They're in the same hall. Hear the imam, see the imam, whatever, whatnot. Awesome, yara. You can see, make, huh? I don't know about that. What are you looking at Mazita for? She's Singaporean. What are you trying to make? Uh, in Malik, huh? One way mirrors. That's because you Americans are used to selling Muslims out, that's why. One way mirrors, you got them cheap from the FBI from all your meetings. You got it cheap from the CIA, that's what. Gotta do what you gotta do. That's not a bad idea to be honest, one way mirrors. Canada too. You got that one way mirrors? Yeah. Which masjid? Southwest and uh in Calgary? Yeah. Some serious. Mm, one way mirrors, yeah. They said there's there's levels to this game, Yanni, you know? <laughs> yeah? Fiza. Um, so if in a situation for example you're in to do then you're going to the last song and you're wearing your trousers. Sorry, sorry. I I've I've been Arif is like Arif is also from Calgary, he's online. He goes, yeah, us brothers, we comb our beards in the mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, right? You're there like, yeah, you can you want to look, you have a look at me here, right? I mean, you want to yeah, see the salah? We'll show you something to look at. <laughs> Marina wants to know what's in this. This is doi for me. It's kombucha, yeah? <laughs> you wish. Right. Okay, carry on. Sorry. So, um, if you are, for example, in a sujood or any position where um, your child wanders off or something happens that you want to do, it's better to do that bit of a glance than to actually get up? Uh, well, there's no doubt that a bit of a glance is better than getting up. But this is the reason why it's, I honestly think it's not allowed to bring children to the masjid. Okay? Young this and we've spoken, obviously, this is going back now. And uh, I don't want to open that up now. But children should only be brought to the masjid when you have no option, right? This, the, the mistake that people make is that the Prophet ﷺ shortened the prayer when, she said, when he heard the mother, the, the baby crying and didn't want to cause a problem. And they say, this is the proof that the children... Bro, there's a thousand hadith on the prayer. And out of a thousand of them, one mentions that one time he saw or heard the baby crying. And people like make it out like they're children in the masjid day and night, right? This is a mistake, Yanni, that people uh, make. Also, the environment of the masjid is in a safe zone, within a safe zone, within a safe zone. A child goes out, every single person knows who that child is. The child goes out, they're not getting hit by a car and this and that and being kidnapped and God knows what. Yanni, now you have a baby and you don't see that baby. A mother doesn't see the baby for one second, she has a heart attack. 
Yeah? Bro, what happened the other day uh, when we did uh, the tawaf? I had a heart attack. Yeah? Usman, he puts the, the uh, ayah in front of the, the in, in, on the, the mataf. Bro, we were on the edge of the mataf, and the guy, the, the coppers, they made the full, like, maybe 80, 90 square meters. They boxed it off. You all saw, right? Yeah? It was empty. And my guy, flipping legend, he puts ayah there, and he goes, good luck to you. To be honest, <laughs> to be honest, it was a genius move. Huh? Oh, she couldn't. Oh, you mean he didn't put her? He was down next to me. She threw him down in front. I don't know. She went off. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. When I saw her in my prayer, right, I didn't know where Usman was. But I'm seeing this whole, and she's just like walking and doing a crawling and up and down. Whatever. I thought to myself, what a genius move. Like, that's a because where's she going to go? It's like a big area. And, you know, it's sweet. But now that you've told me that she crawled under, what kind of prayer did Usman pray? Tell me that. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and it, the reason she I... Over to the, you know, the, the bro, she went the from all the way to the left, all the way to the right. She was mashallah yeah? And she was... I, I know that it's a disaster. And I know this is not permissible, in my opinion, because it's happened to me. I had a kid, uh, Zakaria, when he was young, went to the masjid, and, you know, it's just one of these silly things, you're taking your kids to the masjid, it's just a thing you show off with, and you, you, wanna, you justify this whole kind of thing and become religious. Bro, kids never became religious when they went to a congregational prayer, right? Okay? Honestly, man. But anyway, this is what you tell yourself, and he was there in front of me, and then he's gone. Now, this was Makki Masjid in Longside, right? In Manchester, which is on a main road, right? And the doors are just easy, push open doors. One door and second door. He was gone. Bro, my whole prayer was nothing. It was the whole prayer was like this, like this. My whole prayer, whole prayer, whole prayer was just me looking. What kind of prayer is that? Do you know what I mean? Right? Du'a sujood, bro, I didn't make sajda. <laughs> you can only make du'a and sujood if you're in sajda. My sajda was like this. <laughs> what du'a and sujood? And then, and then I finish the prayer. I get up, not in the masjid, not in the wudu area, not in the lobby, nowhere to be seen. Come back, Yanni, to the imam. I said, you need to make an announcement. Kids bloody gone missing, been kidnapped, he's dead. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's dead, he's finished, I've got to go home, Mrs. is going to kill me, so it's all right. She told me, don't take him, don't take him. I said, what do you mean, don't take him? Whoa, 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 whoa. So, so then, gone half an hour maybe, 30, 40 musallim, looking absolutely everywhere. Half an hour missing. I was like, I'm so dead, I'm so dead, I'm so dead, I'm so dead. Couldn't care less about the kid, but I'm so dead. Then what happens? Imam, imam comes in with the kid. What's going on? He goes, oh, he went out, we're next to a cash and carry. The masjid. He's gone out into the street, turned right, gone into the cash and carry, straight in, yeah, gone to the sweet section. <laughs> Shopkeepers worked out that this is some, you know, disaster situation here. Picked up the kid, put him on the counter while he carries on serving the people, right? And the kid's eating sweets, this, that, whatever. Imam Sahib's gone in to make an announcement and said, listen, we've looked everywhere, all the streets everywhere. If you see a kid... <laughs> He's looking at the kid on the counter. Grabbed the kid, the counter's like, you know... Bro, what, 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 does that, what benefit does this bringing children to the masjid do, bro? Do you know what I mean? Now, you know, I told you guys before, 
and uh, this lesson is going to go thingy and uh, Mace is going to have a heart attack right? but, but I always told you that Sheikh Walid is so miles ahead of everybody in terms of thinking and planning and click his masjid in Clay Lake whatever whatnot. they have a, a, a crush yani. jungle gym jungle gym or whatever and I don't mean that everybody has one now in America probably but he put it in before anybody even knew what that was all about yeah. right they have like you know now, if you want to bring your kids to that masjid, yeah, bring your kids to that masjid. You know what I mean? You're enjoying your salat, you're enjoying it more because you know your kids enjoying it and it's something associated with the masjid. That's a different war game, right? But, yeah, you know, normal scenarios, come on, man, come on. Anyway, right. But then mums with young children wouldn't go to the masjid for 10 years or more, that does a number on you. Of course, yeah, we're not talking about a woman then saying never to go. And we're not saying it's haram either. Yani sometimes, for example, a pilgrimage, like a trip, you can't leave the baby at home. This is a need. Like, for example, a woman who's shopping in the daytime with the kids gone out and needs to go and pray. You've got to bring the kids in. I'm not talking about that ajanak here in their situation. I'm talking about the, the fathers, mostly, that are bringing their kids at completely inappropriate times. What are you bringing the kid for, right? But mothers who need to get things done, of course they need to come and you don't have any other people to look after. Then it needs to be done. It needs to be done. So we're not talking about people. We're not talking about scenarios where there's a need. We're talking about the situation where there is no need. Right. Any other questions? Yeah. 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 It's more applicable in like a larger yeah. question. Um, is it better to catch the salah before the school or fill in the gaps at the front? Uh, definitely to catch the prayer. There's no doubt about it. And when it comes to this question, this wouldn't apply anywhere else in the world anyway. So it doesn't really matter. It's just, yeah, it's just in, you know, in these places where the gaps are so many ridiculous. I, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. That you are not obligated to spend the whole prayer just filling gaps. To fill the gap is a sunnah, right? Some said it's obligatory. Even if it's obligatory, it's not more obligatory than to actually pray the prayer, right? And that also means within the prayer. It also means within the prayer. Once you've actually started the prayer... You could actually keep walking forward, gap, 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 50 times, easily, without doing too much of a deviation, just in front of you. But then what kind of prayer is that where your whole prayer is moving? So that's why I say one, two times tops, not three, four, five. This is now starting taking liberties. Yeah? Uh, uh, Hannah is saying, if your child is crying in prayer, can we pick the child up? Yes, you can. Or even break the prayer and leave the room. Um, you shouldn't break the prayer and leave the room unless it's an emergency. Unless it's an emergency. In the hadith where the, lady was, where the baby was crying, we have no evidence that the woman was told or did break the prayer or nothing. The imam can then kind of, you know, whatever. But this is one of the reasons why we should not put the congregation to that situation or risk. Right? Unless necessary. But yes, pick up the baby, definitely. Unless, of course, it's in a nappy and then it's a different situation. Fiza. It's not okay. It's not okay. I mean, how can that be okay? How can we allow that situation to uh, occur? But then they say, well, how else can it not be? Right? They can be. They can, they, 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 they can be. By the way, there's a very interesting discussion on. Is, uh, I, I smile every time I say, uh, say this because it reminds me of the English debate or whether women have, have a soul or not, right? They used to. They, they only decided that a woman is actually a proper human being in 1890 or something like that. And they speak to us about women's rights, right? Yeah, people, they think that we uh, uh, are holding the world back. But anyway, 
in the fiqh, they mention يعني, the child. Uh, is it actually anything? يعني, they said, Like their presence is like his absence. Meaning it's there, but it's not there. Meaning that if it takes space, it hasn't taken space. There's no gap in the first place. Right? Now, that would be a very liberal reading of the situation. Like the fact that they're there does not affect the prayer line. But it's a possible uh, uh, solution. But like I said, the problem is, like, what, what I want to say is that when you look at these women prayer sections, it looks like a jumble cell, yeah. right? It's, uh, and you know what? I have seen it once, but you, I don't need to see it once because when you come to the haram, every prayer is like a jumble cell, right? The lines are back and forth. It's the worst place ever. You've got people who put their shoes and bags in between them and the person next to them. They'd never ever do that in any other mosque ever. But they feel that it's okay to do it in the haram, right? They put their bags in front of them where the sajda would be, and they step back when they go to sajda. Like all the most craziest, silliest things you've ever seen. And so a prayer area is looking so horrible. The only prayer that looks fine is the one on the mataf where they don't have any bags and they don't have any uh, uh, X or Y or kids or X or Y, Z. What I'm trying to say is that we have started to become in danger of normalizing this situation where it's like a, like a, a, a gathering, right? Like this is a gathering. This is what should be people all over the place, bags all over the place, whatever, whatnot. But a prayer line is meant to be كَأَنَّهُمْ بُنْيَانُ مرسوس, right? It's meant to be like a, a, a proper defensive line, right? Like a, like, a, a, like a building, like bricks. And it's got big gaps, purses, handbags, blankets, food. It's like a jumble cell, bro. Right? So, yeah, we've got to be careful about that, yeah. Yeah. Behave yourself. Behave yourself, okay? Stop right there. What kind of lame question is that? Baji's going to say, is that permissible because you're not allowed yeah, I need to say, make an announcement for lost things in the masjid? Uh, honest to God, yeah? Honest. What else was he going to do? Yeah? No, and then you want, you want someone to, you want the Prophet to stand up and say, that, may that not be found. May that not be found. This is a kid, you pack. He wasn't yeah, in my wallet. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, obviously, if there's an emergency, it's it's allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do I sound like that? Okay, alhamdulillah, because that is that's bad, man, miskina. It was worse. I'm sure it was worse. Yeah. Yeah. So in the masjid, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's shoot. <laughs> the two women were having a debate. One sister wearing nail polish. The sister told her, you know, your salah is alright. The sister said it's halal nail polish. Right. So this whole halal nail polish for sisters. What? Yeah, were, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, in summary, in summary, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the nail polish is a big problem, obviously, because it is, according to most scholars when it goes across five fingers, uh, or four fingers and a thumb, it's a significant size. It's more than just, you know, small thing. That's a lot, a lot of the hand. And we know that that's not allowing water to touch those areas that need to be washed. And that's the reason why uh, a number of scholars say a person cannot possibly make wudu when they've got nail polish on. 
Um, and that then led to, you know, the, obviously the, 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 the houses basically developing a more permeable one. And permeable meaning that there is somehow, some way, it, basically nail polish is not an acrylic layer, but rather it's more henna type kind of where it's staining the nail. And if it stains the nail, then when you put water on something like that, it's actually wetting the nail itself. It's not acting as a barrier. Mm -hmm. and, and it didn't go through, yeah? No, it's not a dye. Yeah. You have to take nail polish remover. And it has to be, it has to be removed off. Yeah, um, I, I, I uh, spent some time looking at this. And I think, personally, that as a whole, generally, definitely we should avoid it, okay? And, um, and I, to be honest, it's very easy for a man to say that. And that's something which I want to say that. I think that women have got to stop wearing nail polish outside, which is a very attractive thing, and it's something which is not good in the public all the time. Bright colors, it's bringing attraction to oneself, and if, if it's not yani, uh, makroo, then it could be haram, uh, etc., etc. Okay? Um, so, I, so the easier thing for me to say is that it's absolutely haram, and I achieve at least that as well, as well as the prayer situation. But the truth is, the truth is, is that if a company has gone to an effort to produce something which they believe by some form of data, because I have analyzed the data and I did see, um, uh, I did see that the the some results show that some water is getting through, and others show that nothing is getting through. I think that if there's even a small amount of water that can get through, I'm being told it's definitely not a stain and it's a proper paint kind of thing, then Huh. Year two is where we covered this in detail, actually. Year two, you can go and see that on logical progression. Um, that if something is going through, I think that's enough for me. Right? I, I'm sympathetic to that opinion. So if they make the claim, and they say that it's been tested, and even if it's not going all the way through, and a little bit through, I think it's okay. And the reason for that is not because it goes through, but... It's a combination of, of it actually going through a little bit, as well as the size not being as significant as we may think. But no doubt the safer position is to not be wearing nail polish, because of course that does not um, help in a robot, no doubt about that. that yeah. Flowing water, yeah. So it wouldn't even it wouldn't even uh, fulfill. So it does get them wet enough because they do that tissue test. That yes. If you apply nail polish and under it, it would get wet, but it doesn't have the water flowing over it, so it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair point. Um, I think that I think that 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 would show just how doubtful the matter is, and definitely one should avoid it on the safe side and just stick to something which is a stain based and move away from that. But you know, uh, women obviously. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something interesting, right? The problem is, is that you get these big scholars come in and they give fatwa and they, they just they they kind of you know, they kind of um, uh, uh, they rock the boat, yani. So I remember reading one from one of the scholars. And I'm not going to lie, I can't remember his name, so I'm going to not mention his name. But it was someone that I took seriously, so I can't remember who it was, but I thought, oof. And he said, what did he say? Wasn't it something like, Yanni, that a woman who's on her wedding day, 
Did I not mention this before in LP? I just seem to think I've said it before. Maybe, yeah. With that, did I mention this? That a, uh, a woman who's all, you know, doled up fully, all that makeup, bagwas, everything full, 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 full. And that if she, makes, if she breaks her wudu, there's not a chance that any water's going through all that stuff on her face and all the, the you know, the nails and whatever, whatnot. And uh, he said something like, it, it was Dido, yeah. Yeah. It was Dido. It has a video on it? And what did he say? He that said she doesn't, she doesn't have to make the wudu uh, fully, like wash. Yeah, yeah. Meaning that, meaning that the, uh, just do the wudu and don't need to remove it all. And uh, he said because of the expense and because of the cost and because it's a one-off in a lifetime, whatever. Now that is one mental fatwa, by the way. Right? It's a crazy level fatwa. But it's dead so we just, yani, you know, we just shut up. and Tayammum? Yani, I would have preferred him to say that, by the way. He actually said, let him make wudu. I was in Nur al-Basair group chat. It's in our Nur al-Basair class. Okay. Yeah, anyway. All right, this is the last question, guys, because this was... Uh, okay, we'll just take one there, and then Saadia. Go ahead. Um, so it's similar to that, as I spoke to someone um, having a debate about fake eyelashes or like eyelash extensions. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the eyelash extensions is, is a, a problem from two levels, because the eyelash itself needs to have the water on it, and so if the extension is blocking it completely physically, then that's a problem. But the bigger problem is that, not just with all, outside of it, to extend the hair, this is... According to the majority of fuqaha, the same as women extending their, uh, uh, the rest of their hair, which is, which is prohibited, like clearly prohibited. So it should be avoided. And the scholars said even for one's husband as well. So it should be avoided. Absolutely, the fake eyelashes. person yani, uses some kind of water, water permeable mascara or whatever it is that you can do. Have I got that wrong? Yeah? Is mascara used on the eyelashes? This got such nice eyes, doesn't it? Fadi's eyes, yeah, mashallah. Last question, Saad, yeah. So my question is that, you know, we were asking on the group, if we can do du'a for deceased family members. Yes. And I was just wondering that, you know, there's a hadith that when you pass away, the three things will benefit, Yes. that prays for you. I just wanted to double check. Does that apply to grandparents as well, or is it just your private? No. So, so, so this is a good question. But uh, the, the meaning, of course, is correct. But I don't think a hadith exists in that, okay. in that wording. Allah knows best. Okay, but the meaning is correct. Yeah, the meaning is no doubt correct. Every, I mean, hundred percent. You know, I, I, I told you, meaning that I spoke about, you know, the, the, that classic situation where obviously mothers do the majority of yeah. uh, uh, upbringing and then sometimes grandparents jump in. And uh, they said that the clever dad, who's not involved in tarbiyah hardly ever yeah. until, you know, like later, is the dad who gets in super quick yani, in year two, year three, and teaches them the fatah and then gets off like really quick, right? And then leave all the headache, yani, alif, alif fatah, ooh, alif fatah, e, you know, getting it wrong a thousand times. You say to the kid, yani, 500 times, ah, 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 and then the kid goes, alif fatah, e, and then you want to slap the kid, yeah? <laughs> so, obviously, women have got that whole nightmare mission to do for the rest of their lives, once the men go in, teach them Fatiha, walk out, yeah? 
let that kid keep repeating the Fatiha for the rest of their lives. The, the dad, yani, the one who's cleaning up all yani, for the rest of their life, right? So the truth is, is that every single person who's involved in any single way, instructively, in uh, education, they get the, re- the reward of that. Absolutely no doubt. That's not even to do with relatives or deceased, let alone relatives and then deceased, which only increases, of course, the quality of that. That's al-ilmu yuntafa'u bihin nas. So knowledge which others uh, benefit by, well, what then a knowledge which is your family benefiting thereby? So having said that, to come back to the issue of uh, tawaf and uh, uh, should you do that the uh, should, uh, should you do that for the um, deceased? Um, what's absolutely best is to try to restrict oneself to what the Prophet ﷺ himself did or allowed people to do. Now, aqal would say every act that you do uh, would be good because you're just passing it on. The truth is, is that we do have actions. Now, whenever you have actions that have been specified, it makes it even more important to stick to those. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the Prophet ﷺ would say, everything that you do is good. But he doesn't. He keeps it restricted. So, offering a sacrifice, for example. Mm-hmm. Feeding the poor on behalf of someone. General sadaqah, for example. Doing hajj, for example. Fasting that which has been promised by that person, for example. Tawaf, there's no doubt about it. No scholar ever allowed the tawaf for deceased anybody, right? Umrah, the scholars are yani, divided on that. Personally, I can't see the evidence for it. Personally, I don't like it. If a person didn't do Umrah, and then we'd say, well, who said the Umrah was obligatory in the first place? I don't believe Umrah is obligatory. Some scholars said it is. I think Hajj is what's obligatory. You do Hajj for them. Umrah is an extra benefit. So, uh, and just generally, just on that point, that when you're here for the remaining days in Mecca, this will be playing on your head. And family will also be saying, you know, this is what you should do, etc., etc. It's not a biggie. If you feel that you want to go, then you just catch a taxi to uh, Masjid Aisha and be in Ihram from there and then do it. With plenty of scholars allowed it. Not the majority, but enough. And to avoid headache and fighting and hassle, it's okay. But is it the Sunnah? No. The Prophet ﷺ never did it. Never did a single companion do it in his lifetime. Ah, after his lifetime, a few of the companions did a repeat Umrah. Not for other people, but just repeating their Umrah. What, what's the point I want to make? Let alone deceased. Even yourself, you're not meant to do it again. Because that's what Tawaf is for. Tawaf is the greatest thing and the only unique act of worship at the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. As for alive people, no. There's no Tawaf at all for alive people. That's even worse. All right, guys. Jazakumullah khair. Inshallah, next week back at 8.15 UK time, allowing Isha to be prayed at 8. Back in Cheetah as well. And that's enough for being on the road. Three on the road. MashaAllah, Tabarak al-Rahman. Subhanakallahu bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfirukallahumu wa atubu alaykum. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Nice one, guys. All right.